You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Business in Heels podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Now, my guest today says, know your value and stop discounting. Joining me on today's show is Charmaine Keegan. Charmaine is a world-leading expert in training high-performance sales teams. Now, she has trained over 8,000 sales professionals, empowering them with the confidence to embrace selling with integrity and authenticity to deliver immediate revenue growth. Now, Charmaine is passionate about selling and even more so empowering others to, to sell. And today, we're going to be able to learn from her as she shares how we can win more business, why clients, our clients, do not buy on price, and why we need to stop upselling and so much more. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Anne-Marie. How are you? I'm good. This topic is probably one that many business owners struggle with. I'm sure you've got many clients who come to you and go, Charmaine, sales. It's almost like a dirty word, isn't it? Thankfully, we've got people such as yourself who are able to share their expertise so that we can really start to see sales as, as more of a, a conversation, being of value to our, our clients. But for people who may not have heard uh, about you or been able to participate in your training, can you give us a bit of a, an overview? of how you fell into this area or got into this area and why you're so passionate about it? Oh, yes, what a, what a good question. So I've always been in sales since four or five. We lived on a farm in England. We were quite poor and people used to drive past our farm and I used to sell things then. And then I was lucky enough at uh, 11 to get a job in the local farm shop. And it just occurred to me that you know, there's a way to engage more meaningfully with people and connect at a deeper level if you just are present and watch them and sort of recognise that everyone, I mean, we'd call it now buying differently and reading signals, but then I was just 11 thinking, oh, you know, if Frank comes in like this, I think I'll give him some space and then he always buys these, so how about I recommend these again, which, of course, we'd now call companion products. So at that young age, I was really learning to understand I guess, human behavior. And then I went really big into the psychology behind why people trust each other, which is what sales is, how to be a leader, how people buy into what you're saying, and why somebody would drive to buy something of this person, pass in other places that are cheaper. What, what's going on in that relationship there? So from a very young age, I was fascinated. And then I was in sales from sort of, you know, 11, 12, 13, and then a proper job, I guess, at 20, and then um, worked in media for a long time. And then 10 years ago, almost exactly, actually, 10 years ago in the last month, I started Smarter Selling, and I was just helping people understand that sales should be easy, and it should be obvious. And it's just, as you mentioned, it's a conversation. Somebody wants something, you have something, and it's just what happens in between, you know, and to, to do so with authenticity and in integrity. Yes, I love that. And you mentioned something I think is, is so integral, particularly when it comes from, from us. We're all consumers. We're also business owners who are really trying to have a, you know, a solid value conversation with clients, but trust. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure you've heard of the Edelman Trust Barometer. And I know mm -hmm. that studies have shown through Edelman that trust 
is at an all-time low because of all of the fake news and and other things happening. So for businesses, we need to be very mindful of of building trust. So what are some things that we need to know around winning more business, particularly where trust is so important, especially on the the online space, which many of us are, are working on at the moment because of what's going on in the world? Yes. Yeah, very good question. So whether it's online or not online, really, it doesn't make a a huge difference is how you communicate a bit differently. If it's through online, if you've got an online shop, but you've you've hit the nail on the head, everything comes down to trust. And what what you're looking for as a business owner, or as a uh, salesperson, or anybody that's selling something where there's a money, where there's money attached, be it a solution, idea, product, service, you're you're not necessarily out to think I will build trust, but what you're looking to do is help somebody. And I think this comes back to the foundation on why are you selling what you're selling, you know. And so every day, you know, we're teaching people now so much on telephone techniques, coaching every day. Really immerse yourself, we'd call that anchoring, in why your solution, product or service is of value to somebody else. And you need to build yourself up. You know, I can really help people here because when you've built yourself up with that and you know that you can add value, you know that you're going to help people, then actually as you go about your day-to-day, your intent is quite different. And I think a lot of people, if they don't think like that, what they end up doing is thinking, I'll sell at somebody, you know, and they'll, they'll think of words like, oh, persuasion or I'm going to influence somebody I've got to sell at them and they think how can I sell this to John when in fact what you should be thinking is god what I've got is great and I it's I reckon John should need this let's find out about John Mm. and this is the key thing right the key thing is seek to understand and when your mindset and your intent is I'll understand John asking questions listening being present all these skills that we need to have John can feel that my intent is genuine by the way I interact, I don't have to fake it or pretend or smile before I dial or any of that old stuff because genuinely I want to understand John because the more I understand him, the more I know how I can serve him. And as that interaction happens, you're connected at a much deeper level because you're really trying to understand his pain points, why he's using what he's using, why he may buy you, why he may buy somebody else, what's going on in his head, what his motivations, his desires, what he thinks the problem is, all those questions we would ask. What you then become, there's a point in that relationship where you, it changes and the energy changes and suddenly you hold the flag of trusted advisor. And once you're the trusted advisor, John turns to you and says, can you help? And then you become the solution provider. And that is what you're looking for because John may come to you and say, I want ABC, Charmaine. But really, if I just gave him ABC, I'm just a nine-year-old could do that. You know, that's reactive. That's just an order taker. My job is to go, oh, out of interest, John. Why is it you're after A, B, and C? And to find out and to ask questions and to find out and to ask questions. And then I understand his situation for then, and, and he can feel that I've become the trusted advisor. Then I should give him the solution that suits him. And um, nothing to do with money, nothing to do with what he's asked for, but the one that I know with integrity and authenticity, almost like I have an obligation to, to offer what's right for his situation at the time. And Amory, that's that's how trust is formed. That's where the yeah. basis of trust comes from. 
as you were explaining that, Charmaine, I really could sense, almost picture myself having a conversation with someone that someone was asking me those questions. And so often what happens as um, business owners, what we try and do is preempt the conversation, don't we? Mm. And we do a lot more of the speaking because we think we need to validate um, our solution as the solution. But if we haven't taken the time to find out and really be curious, so what I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, we should be doing a lot less speaking and a lot more listening at the beginning because how on earth can we provide a real tailored customized solution to fit their needs um, if we haven't found out what that is do you find that that's one of the biggest obstacles that you often find that we salespeople are doing we feel like we need to get as much in to the conversation to position ourselves that's such a good question and what you've pointed out is totally right so they do feel they need to validate because of a few reasons. As a business owner, we tend to feel as though we better show them why it's the right solution and we jump in way too early. We call it in our in our sales funnel that we have right at the beginning. We don't even know what they want it for yet or why they're buying it or what motivates them or what they've looked at. We know nothing, but we're in there, you know, telling them that ours is the best thing since sliced bread. And so that's one, because we feel as though as a salesperson, that's what we should do. But I'm going to have a second wave to that, Anne-Marie, and that is a lot of people in the 80s were hired as salespeople because they can sell us to the Eskimos, they've got the gift of the gap, you know, it'll be good at sales. And it was this sort of like go and talk to people. So you had a lot of extroverts that were very chatty, very bubbly, out in the marketplace talking at people, and they got away with it because of personality, really, whereas... What we're teaching people is, you know, you can be an extrovert, of course, but when you get with somebody, your, your focus needs to be, how can I serve this person? How can I help this person? And you don't know how you can help them. You don't know what they want, what they need, what they desire, why they need it. You know nothing. And so, you know, we have a simple methodology, which is at least 95% of the time, the client needs to be doing the talking in order, as you've just said, in order for you to understand them and know what they need and what they want for you then to put forward this right solution, it's got to be them doing the talking. So the skill actually, Emery, is asking the right questions, listening and being present. They're, they're the core skills that are in there. And when business owners hear that, to be honest, they're quite relieved because they really think, oh, thank goodness, I thought I just would go and tell, you know, talk to people why they should buy it. And once they've taken that I'll push, I'll push it hat off mm. and they can just be normal, yeah. suddenly the whole the whole interaction changes and you know your client feels it they, they feel if you're trying to push something at them or listen it's two completely different ways of going about your business either you're pushing 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 and your language is pushing or you are listening and being present and you know taking your time over questions and saying hey I didn't quite get that Frank can you repeat that again and they, they the difference is really tangible very very different yeah I love that you've um, reminded us of that because you were saying earlier I don't know if these were your exact words, but when we take it from that curiosity aspect and not that pushing and not feeling I have to get as much in, the energy changes. And yeah. it's almost like, you know, the energy when you walk into a room, you can cut the air with a knife because there's so much tension there. There is that unspoken tension, which often will come through the, the phone if we're on the phone yeah. or if we're face to face. I'm sure we'll, we'll see that. And there's, you know, I remember the day because, you know, I've been in business for quite some 
some time, but some of those, and you mentioned, you know, those old selling techniques, it's almost like you have a script and you get so focused yes. on the script when something happens, like because we're dealing with another human being who might <laughs> say something, you think, hang on a minute, that's in point eight. I've got to take them all mm. the way to, you know, to point two. It completely, it, the, the conversation is really disingenuous, you know, or it, yes. it's not genuine, is it? And people can really feel that. Are there any other things that you see people still doing when it comes to sales that you think that is just so old school and you're really tarnishing the relationship before it even begins? Assuming. Yeah. The biggest yeah. thing is assuming. Yeah. I assume, you assume. There's a certain judgment that happens, but being aware that you assume will stop you jumping in. Um, that's a really big thing, assumption. And the, the next one is people think that people buy on price. That's because they're listening to a client and the client said, I didn't buy you because of price, which is a, a nice, clean way to say, actually, I got on better with somebody else who understood me better, but I don't want to say that. So I'll just say it was price. And then what happens is the salesperson believes that or the business owner believes that. And then they have this thing in their head that people buy on price. And so they go out and they sell things and they're already discounting in their language and in their tone at the beginning before they've even known somebody. So assumption and really the, the value in their head yes. are the two big things. Um, we're coming across it right now because right now we've had COVID-19 and we have all these people that were in territories that are now doing telephone sales techniques. So we have got back-to-back -back online programs and we've got coaching all to do with telephone sales techniques. And our biggest customers are people that are on territories because, and I don't want to fall out with my customers, but you're going to have a certain percentage that frankly got by on a wing and a prayer. They turned up, they were nice, they chat about how your mum's going, have a game of golf, blah, 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 and they got the business. And now they're on the telephone, oh, dear, we can't see somebody, we can't feel, taste, touch, smell, we can't demonstrate we suddenly are down to telephone techniques. Well, now you're getting to know who can sell or not, believe mm -hmm. me. Because when I was 20, which is now 28 years ago, when I was first in my first sales job, I was a field salesperson, which meant, you know, I went out and saw people. Yeah. And in those days, it was like you went from an inside sales to a field sales. Unfortunately, now in lots of places, that's still the case, which is rubbish. And I remember driving around, seeing people, and I could stand there and ponder, and I could read their body language, and I could work out they were thinking, and I would wait, and, you know, I could see they were processing something, so I would wait, and I could read all these signals. And I remember getting back to the office and watching the inside team and realizing that their skill level has to be a thousand times mine because they're doing it all by telephone. Yeah. They don't have, they don't have that beauty of watching somebody and reading that body language. They literally just have audio. So we're we're really seeing now people needing to to it's a completely different skill set on the telephone. And some of the older school ones who've got nice manners and polite, they've got other manners that are bringing in which are very positive, to be honest, and, and they've got you know, go get, and they're not stopped by anything. So they're bringing with them, I will say, some great credentials at the same time, but they are now thinking, oh, my goodness, what do I now do? It's on telephone. I'm not driving around and chatting and seeing yeah. people. Yeah, um, I love that. You know, and you mentioned something about, you know, clients do not buy on price. And this is a mm. key point that you wanted to share here today. Yep. I think that ultimately one of the key barriers because often, I mean, if I think of myself as a consumer, um, if there is a handbag or an item, a piece of jewelry or whatever it is, price often has, if I love it, you will move heaven and earth to, to purchase that, you know, to, yeah. to get that. And I think that's really where we need to shift some thinking. What are some things that we really need to start challenging some of the beliefs and what are some practical yes. steps that we need to implement? Do you know what, uh, I think this is, and you've just 
pointed it out with, if you're part of a piece of jewelry or handbag, you're going to suddenly find the money, right? Because what happens is you shift the money from somewhere else that isn't priority and is important, and you shift it to that. So, so many salespeople, if I had a dollar for every time someone says to us, my business is different, which I'm sure you hear all the time, or, you know, it's so competitive in my field, I would be, you know, on a yacht right now, quite frankly, because everyone thinks that their field is different and that, that everyone buys on price. And it's just absolute rubbish. And the first thing I share back to them is, if they bought on price, there'd be no competitors. Mm. Okay? If people really were going to buy on price, there'd be one coffee shop, there'd be one of this shop, there'd be one of everything. Because surely, how does the competitor manage? So you've got to think, let me give you an example. I, I get my printing done at um, actually Snap in Surrey Hills, right? So I'll give them a plug because they're amazing. I drive past at least nine printers to get there, uh, of which I know three are cheaper. So you have to ask yourself, what is Snap doing that, that means for me, I bother as a consumer to bypass others, so it's not so convenient, to get to them? And the fact is, and, and it's not, they're not the cheapest, but the fact is it's the way they interact with me, Amory. It's the way they engage with me. I will ring up and ask for something, and they will say, I think the last time it happened, actually, one of these big canvas boards. And I, I talk, you see, the, see, the client talks with authority, remember? The client talks as though they know what they want. I'm the consumer, and I go, hello, Sandeep, I need six canvas boards. And I talk as though I know what I want. Well, I don't know what I want because I'm not a printer, okay? Mm -hmm. I think I know what I want. So that's one thing we remember, that when the client comes to you, it doesn't mean that's actually what's the right thing for them. And we have an obligation to ask questions, listen, and understand. So we do offer them what's right for them. Okay, they always ask me questions. How are you going to use it? Why are you buying that? Are you going to travel overseas with it? Are you, are you going to post them off to other states? And they ask me questions. And the last time this happened, um, they knew I didn't need it for, for three or four weeks. And they said, when you're passing by tomorrow, drop in. And I dropped in and they showed me the board. And I went, yeah, that's right. And then he picked one up and said, we thought we'd do it in foam because we think it'd be better. And he held, held this foam board up. I went, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I need. That's much better. And mm -hmm. that is why I go there because they care the care factor is so high i had two thousand postcards printed and they call up to say your trademark's missing is that correct before we print them like yeah thanks they probably, they probably save me more money and every element of them is a care factor if i need things posted to other states they would text me that it's been done and i don't have to think about it i turn up at that venue i walk in and there it all is it's like all done behind the scenes they were talk to another snap in another franchise or whatever you know you know how they work and suddenly it appears it's seamless they make it easy for me they ask me questions they understand they frequently would um, question what I want to buy because they say, let's just find out what you're using it for. Is that the right thing for you? Like once so many things printed and I asked for um, gloss paper and it went on for ages and in the end he said, I just don't, I'm going to pose, I'm going to drop it off tonight and he dropped it off for the office and I looked at it, I thought, oh yeah, that's not right, now I need Matt. But that is why I go to them because they're an extension of my business. Now, when he says, oh, by the way, I think you need this and this, and he does, he comes into the location that we work at when we're doing face-to-face, -face, and he walks around in the morning early at six o'clock, and he looks at things, and goes, oh, you need a new banner, and you need this, and you need that. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference, because you know what? Most people are lazy. They're not prepared to do what others are. You, you've got to do what others are not prepared to do. Yeah. And it's yeah. not hard to stand out. You've just got to be genuine, ask questions and care about somebody else's business and not do a lot, to be honest. Ask some more questions, but really have the care factor. And you're already steps ahead.
Yeah. And that's my big thing when people don't buy on price. It comes up a lot. And the reason people think that is because let's just say I have another printer call me, which happens, and they say, I can do it cheaper. I go, good for you. And then they often think, well, snap, let's do it cheaper than them. And it's not its not the case. But what people tend to do if they lose business is the person says, oh, it was a price issue. And then salespeople believe that. They actually believe what the, the customer said. And but the customer can't say, oh, to be honest, John, you know, Samantha over here did a better job of looking after me and she asked me more questions and frankly she dropped some things in of value and you know she emailed that day and that's of high value to me and she looked a bit more professional than you did and you come in chewing gum and she didn't and they don't tell you all that because often mm -hmm. unconsciously they don't even know why so what they say is oh it's price mm -hmm. and then all these salespeople are out there with this thing in their head and unfortunately it means they go in and they're already dropping the price yeah. before the conversations even start and therefore you're going to lose all credibility if you do that yeah so so true and if i'm thinking about um you know suppliers that we've dealt with it's those ones that go the extra mile and sometimes it's really just delivering what they promise and as you say showing that care factor and the fact that and then i, I guess that really leads even into the next um segment you want to talk about stop upselling because i would imagine that sandeep when he comes into your office to drop things oh you need this or have you thought about doing this because there's that care factor and you know that he has got your best interest at heart suggestions and things like that you're going to go yeah actually i do need that and that's there may have been things that you hadn't even considered i know i would do that and i've done that mm. in the past but i didn't even know that that existed but yeah uh, give me two and that's something that i'm sure happens constantly yes oh, you, you've just summed it up really because i i am um... Just to close the loop, actually, people don't buy on price. I'm going to add that you have to be sold on what you sell first. That's really important. You've got to be anchored with, you know what, this is $15. It should be $25. So when you go out, you're bulletproof, you're congruent, you're standing tall, you're standing firm on your price. I'm going to just add that's quite important before you in interact with anybody because if you're not certain, you are going to end up discounting. So that's a really important sort of foundation to come from. But then moving on to stop upselling, I hate the word upselling because um what what does it imply to you actually Amory if I said to you upselling what does that imply to you well you know when someone tries to upsell me I mean it really well the care factor is not kind of there it's more it more comes from the the value is more on for them like they're trying to get more money out of me and yeah there's no value there and for me I'm quite, if they take took the time, not only am I loyal to my suppliers and you'd have to do something pretty, you know, horrific for me to, to go, I'll change. But once I've decided to change, I will change and I'll be loyal to that supplier. But, mm. yeah, it's not for my best interest in heart. So the conversation needs to change. Can we provide, do you need more support in that area? Because this, this particular package or this product can provide you those needs if you're wanting to, rather than upsell. You know, yes. I mean, that's kind of is what I'm thinking when I hear that. It is. I mean, we hear the word upsell. We, we think of reps that are 
pushing or persuading mm-hmm. or trying to get with more. that as you mentioned the, the focus is on me gaining as a salesperson or me gaining as a business owner whereas I you know if we come out of that we go into this integrity place of I want to be the trusted advisor the thought leader you know the solution provider someone to be present ask questions seek to understand have a high care factor ask mm-hmm. more than anybody else has asked so I can really understand how I can serve this person then I become the hold the flag of trust then I naturally will go to solutions that are right so if John comes to me and he wants a b and c but I've now asked questions about that and I've got that relationship at a deeper level and I think well he doesn't just want a b and c to be honest he needs a b c d and e then I won't to me it's not upselling to me it is giving him the choice to buy something that's right for him and I think we need to tweak the words internally for leaders to stop selling their team go and upsell go and upsell because it's completely the wrong intent mm-hmm. but they should be they should be saying go and understand your customers yeah. go and understand them go and ask them questions and listen go and understand them because once you understand them then mm-hmm. to me you have an obligation to give them the solution that suits them best regardless yeah. of its ABC AB or 17 things you're your job is that the, the trust advisor in your field, they don't know. And as you mentioned, if you don't tell them, then no one's going to tell them. No. And so it's just therefore putting that forward, putting forward A, B, C, and to suit that, you need A, B, C, D, and E. Now, naturally, Anne-Marie, people would buy that because it's right for them. And I'm going to add here an important part to do with language, as long as you don't say things like, oh, I know you didn't ask for that and it's a bit expensive, which we hear all the time, mm. these negative words just slip in you know and Australians and I'm English we're just the same how are you today not bad not dead yet not a worry you know it's constant breathing (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness it's constant negativity so when you come to that place of I'm the trusted advisor it shows when your intent is I'm here to serve you I don't mean be below somebody but be equal with somebody you ask questions it's a mutual gain okay you have something they need something you become the trusted advisor because of your interaction you then become the solution provider and if the solution is six things more than they asked for then you're going to offer that because you know that that's what's right for that client and you'll be doing a disservice if you don't and yes. that's the place we need to come from as a place of authority where we're doing what's best for the customer yeah and you you mentioned something earlier about you know your printer if you wanted say gloss for instance and that might have been a more um more expensive product you know higher level of investment and he realized mm. i don't really know if that suits your need and he showed you the matte one now because he's come down he could have quite easily have said well let's you know let's just do double gloss then but the fact that he had your best interest at heart for the value that you wanted and to really fulfill your need the next time you go and ask for his opinion about something you're going to trust that he gives you the right response rather than thinking well I need to be careful because they're just going to try and push the most expensive product product to me and it all I think if you can't build relationship on trust if you don't have trust what do you have especially when you think of just so many um, others as you say competitors in your marketplace trust is everything I think anyway I know for me if you're a supplier mm. it's going to separate you from everybody else and you know Talking about the printer, I, mean, I hope he's not listening in because if he charge 20% more, well, he'll still get my business, but I hope he's not, not hearing this. But the reality is um, 
in a way, if you ever have to say to a client, that's not right, and you sell them something cheaper, and it's a long-term relationship, well, that's your best scenario, mm-hmm. because that's a very quick way to gain trust, because they wanted A and B, it's going to cost, you know, $90,000. You said, actually, for that, you only need this, which was $25,000. They're immediately going to go, well, you're in it for me and not for yourself. And, but there are other ways because not always does that that sort of fall in our lap like that. And it has happened to me, it's happened to you where you've been able to go, well, actually, this is better for you. Now I know what you want. And it's been cheaper. So the trust is quick. The stamp is there. But in other cases, believe me, you just asking questions. Most people don't even ask questions. Most people ask questions. They do their pitch. They talk at people. And then they ask questions at the end because they've really diverted the customer. They've assumed a load of baggage about what the customer does and doesn't want. They've got their own baggage about what the value is and isn't on their own thing, and that's how the interaction goes. So if you do go in as the trusted advisor, the solution provider, that comes across with all in your intent, and naturally, you know, at no point at the end will someone say, oh, Charmaine, that's 10 times more than what I came in for, because by that point, you're on a journey together, right? So you're reading this, you know, you should be ahead of your client pulling them. You shouldn't be behind them, them trying to book you and you're not doing it. You should constantly be aware of where you are in the journey together. Yeah, so true. I love uh, the conversation that we've had today. And I know we've probably just scratched the surface. Mm. um, But I know that uh, there's opportunities for people to reach out to find out more about what you do, how you can support them. Charmaine, so what is the best way for people to connect with you? Oh, wonderful. Well, we have um, our main website is smarterselling.com.au. And within that, we have on, online programs and we have lots of workshops, which we're now doing via coaching. So we have a be- beautiful product, really, what's happening now. People come to us to understand how they get higher performance out of themselves or their team. And my team um, answers the phone. They understand what, what the person needs. And then, of course, we then recommend how they can help. So that's smarterselling.com.au. And from there, really, that's our base. We have other products within that. Yeah. I'd imagine that uh, with, you know, many more people now having some time on their hands to invest in skills, Mm. if we hone and and really build on our ability to have great phone conversations, that's really just going to enhance, isn't it? Once we get back and things will return where we're able to go out again and, 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 and see people face to face. But the skills I'm sure that you'll teach in that phone um, phone conversations is just going to add even more value to relationship building, wouldn't you say? It's a key skill to have. 100%. My marketing person asked a week ago, can you do a blog on maybe the top three telephone techniques? And it went to her yesterday and it's 25 telephone techniques. So within, you know, on top of our modules, which is online and coaching together, so people listen to the online modules then have coaching face-to-face like this, we have incorporated um over 25 tips for how to now communicate and build relationships and connect more meaningfully and be the trusted advisor via the telephone. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, thanks once again, Charmaine, for coming on uh, the show and sharing your expertise. I know I found it very valuable and I'm sure everyone who's watching and listening uh, to the recording once it goes live will will certainly benefit as well. Thank you once again. Oh, thanks, Emery, for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you.